Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show. Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo Dekeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnell. Athletic NBA show. It's Friday. I'm Dave DeFour, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, joined as I am just about every week by my man Seth Partnow. What's up, Seth? Oh. And my other guy, Mo DeKeel. What's up, Mo? What's up, Dave? It's like I almost fucked you. <laughs> Not even 12 hours ago that we recorded the Daily Ding. Uh, this, uh, this is how we keep it so fresh and so clean over here. Guys, a um, couple weeks into the new year, we're basically at the halfway point of the season. I think pretty much every team has played like 41, 42, 43 games, something like that. And uh, let's jump right in. I have a gripe. Uh-oh. This is just just off the top of my head. But the All-Star game should be at the halfway mark and not... So deep into the year. That's my gripe. That's what I got. <laughs> it, it would be a nice break right now to have like, you know, a week off at the halfway point of the season. I, is there a particular reason why they do it? February? They want to be up against the NFL playoffs and the college football national championship game. Well, right now would actually be, uh, well, no, you're going to get the playoffs. Uh, football. Yeah, yeah, football yeah, playoffs. Yeah, fair, yeah. fair, fair enough. That, that's I also think point. the trade deadline would screw it up. Because remember those years when it was like right or the trade deadline would be oh, after the, that somebody yeah. would get traded like during the game? DeMarcus Cousins got traded during the All-Star game. No, I think that from a from a standpoint of actually living in the league, trade deadline before All-Star is the greatest thing. Hmm. Um, it's, it's actually, it's, it's funny. People will now, people like kind of, the people who aren't going to the All-Star game will plan weddings for All-Star for game weekend. Because that's like it's then or it's like uh, August. Yeah. 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 Well, um, my favorite thing this week, guys, I want to jump right in because we are at the halfway point of the season. My favorite thing is parody. It's still here. We haven't had any teams really break away from the pack. I mean, Boston on court has sort of broken away. They look great. But when you look at the record, they're, they don't have a huge lead in first place in the East. Uh, Denver and Memphis tied for first in the West. We really don't have, I mean, you know, the bad teams are the teams that we knew were going to be bad coming in. We've had some nice surprises, which we'll get to. But overall, guys, I, I think that this is a pretty competitive version of parody. I mean, there's been some injury here and there, but I, I don't think that it's been, you know, there's no huge devastating injuries that's kind of swept the league like I felt like we've had the last couple years. Basketball has been pretty good, pretty fun, uh, unpredictable. 
But still, uh, it's competitive. This has been a pretty good year so far. It's been a great year. Basketball's been fun in, in that part. Maybe not always greatly played, but the basketball itself's been fun. We've had a lot more fun games. We've had a lot more interesting uh, storylines. I think you have a lot of guys going completely nuts. You know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander proving you guys wrong and me right that you can build a team around him. And I think, you know, you have a whole lot of stuff kind of going across the board. I just had to get that dig in. Um, but I think you got a lot of interesting stuff, but you have new teams coming up. And I think that's the fun stuff, right? Like we saw Memphis coming last year. Denver's rolling. They've been doing that. New Orleans has been a ton of fun despite not even being healthy for most of the year. I think the Cavs are, are, are awesome to watch. I think you're getting a lot more excitement across the board from several teams. Whereas before it was like, look, let's be honest, there were like seven or eight teams around this point of the year where we were like, eh, we don't need to watch them anymore. We know what they are and they suck. And that's not the case right now. So as we record this, there is a four and a half game difference in the West between fourth place and 13th. Like there's no team like it, it, there there are there's a group of almost ten teams that are about a five game winning streak from being being in a home court spot from out of the playoffs to a home court spot, um and that's I mean on one hand that's great on the other hand for people who uh, who live for the trade deadline that's uh, it, it might lock things up a little bit. Well, you know it's funny there aren't also there there aren't a ton of bad contracts that are going to get moved. Like we get normally at every deadline, because I do think they've all already been traded. (laughs) They've all already been (laughs) traded, right? I mean, the the worst contract that could possibly be traded uh, would maybe be Russell Westbrook, but that's not even that bad because it's an expiring. No, it's like like Bertrand. We're not going to get a lot of. There won't be a lot of shuffling of deck chairs this year at the deadline, which is nice because I I don't want you know it's it's a basketball league, not H and R Block. I, I don't care for the you know procedural trades. Um, but I think that we are going to get some trades, Seth. I, I think there's going to be a team that just says, you know what? Everything is so crazy and mixed up this year. We can do it. There, there I, are a team. Go ahead, Seth. No, I, I was, I, I was chatting to, to our mutual friend, Eric Pincus about this last week and, um, you know, his point, And it's, it's a good one is that, that all these teams are, are going to hold out for the best deal and not do anything until the trade deadline where I kind of feel like the team in team whether it's going either way, whether it's adding talent or kind of turning into a, a you know future asset collection mode, the team that decides to go first is gonna have a gonna have an advantage. I mean you, you if you adding talent, how much of an over given the, the the tightness of the of the standings that we just talked about, getting a guy for an extra five, six weeks, is that worth quote unquote overpaying a little bit? I think it's maybe this year, right? Yeah, I think you get the best deal. You go first. You set the market because after that, now everybody's competing to match that. We saw that in the offseason with the uh, lovely Minnesota trade. And I think, you know, that set the market to an obscene amount to the point where we had really nothing else after that. And I don't know. I think the other aspect of it is the playing tournament plays a role in this. And I think you have that in in terms of just not a lot of trades right away and things because everybody's trying to see. All right, well, let's see where we're at. Seth, you just said it. You can go on a five-game win streak. That's a week and a half. You know, that's that's you know a a short span where a team might go from being sellers to all of a sudden being buyers. You know, or 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 whatnot, or get closer to that mix. And then the other aspect of it, and I don't think we talk about this enough. The number of teams that have given away all of their picks 
at this point that we think need to do something just simply don't have the asset to do something because they've given up their picks. And I'm, you know, teams like the, uh, excuse me, teams like the Clippers, Milwaukee, um, you know, they, they, the Lakers need to do stuff. They don't have picks. It's, you know, except those two. And that's a, the whole other conundrum, but like across the board, you're seeing that with a lot more teams that have given up picks, Dallas, same scenario. I think you have, it's, it's making it harder now at this point where all those picks that people have get, gave up over the last few years, it now makes it harder to have to make moves down the road. And I think that's one of the other challenges why we haven't seen anything yet, but I think we'll have a, a decently active trade deadline. I don't know if we'll have a real explosive one. Well, January 15th is coming up. I mean, it's a couple days away, right? And that's when just about everybody is eligible to be traded. All, all the folks that signed and signed extensions and all that. Guys, is there a team that might surprise us by maybe pulling the plug and, and becoming a seller right away? I mean, like Toronto, they're currently in the 11th spot, right? They're a half game out of the play-in. But, you know, and we'll talk about them, I'm sure, in one of our later segments. But they're not really doing a whole lot. Like, is this a team that, that you guys could see trying to get out ahead of the market and, and maybe as a seller try to set the tone? Toronto is such a tricky one, you know, with, with they can, they're at the, the crossroads, you know, and, and, and they can go two different ways. And, you know, we, we talked about this with Katie a while back. It's a challenge, you know, and that's, a, that's, a, that's not just a, okay, uh, a decision for this year. The, the, whatever trades they do this year is potentially an organizational shift over the next couple of years. And, and, and so I think that's kind of a trickier one. I think a team that might just say, screw it, let's bottom out, might actually finally be Utah. I know they're sitting at the ninth, the, the ninth seed, and, and part of that's the West, and I know they're coming off of a win, but like, at a certain point, you're kind of watching them going like, I don't know, man, like, this might be fun, but we also could be on a three-game losing streak at the end of the season and now have the 14th pick. You know? and, and, and they have guys that I think teams will covet that might be able to you know, help them make some moves. So... If I had to guess, I think it might be Utah. I don't think Utah is going to move Lowry. Oh, I no. don't. Uh, no, 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 no. That's no, a, that's right. a corner piece. But no, I'm yeah, talking. I, I think he's Conley. Yeah, Conley uh, Clarkson and and that stuff. Olenek. Maybe one other team. Maybe is Indiana if they can't get Turner to agree to an extension, they're going to move him before losing him in free agency. But that's more just the 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 reality of impending free agency. Yeah, I think Indiana might be pretty active just in general. They, I mean, they're in a in a really interesting position of they just have so many wing players now. I mean, it, with with you know, I he's really banged up right now. But Aaron Neesmith has been playing well for the last month, and they've got you know Duarte, and obviously Matherin and Nemhard are seem like you know go forward guys for them, and they still have Buddy Heald, so they have a lot of kind of in that that two three range that O'Shea Brissett barely plays. Yeah, um, they, they have just this. Um, at a position where everyone is always looking for more. Um, they, they're in an interesting spot. I think. Yeah. I don't think Mathurin is a one for one replacement for buddy. Cause what buddy does for that team. I mean, it, his spacing is super important, but I do think they could move buddy and not get a tremendous amount worse. Um, and, and that could bring them something that, that turns into something this summer, especially if they lose miles Turner, but if they're if they're gonna lose Miles Turner this summer, they're gonna move him. I would imagine. There's no way they would just let it go into the summer. I, at least I hope not. I mean, that team is too fun to uh, to just lose a core piece like that for nothing. Um, okay, so Seth, 
What what do you got this week? Um, uh, I'm I'm reveling in my well. It it kind of it came to a screeching halt uh, against Detroit last night, but uh, I, uh, I I almost fixed the Timberwolves. I wrote last week about uh, how how Rudy Gobert was showing some signs of slowing down, and he responded with probably his two best games in a in a Timberwolves uniform. Uh, you know, over the over the weekend, but then uh, they got smacked by Detroit last night. So maybe I didn't. Maybe maybe it was the death Seth, the dead Seth bounce that they had. Um, but still, I, I, <laughs> you, uh, my my powers of of you know, after I won Marcus Smart the MV, uh, the Defensive Player of the Year last year, just you know, seeing what else I can do. I, if you had the, won Marcus Smart the MVP, now that yeah. would have been a little bit more impressive. Yeah. One uh, Seth is drunk with power. Or, or, or what he I mean, perceives to be power. You can't see how far into my cheek my tongue is right now. He's now trying to flex his muscle. It's like a, a magician who finds out they can do stuff. All of a sudden, he goes like, well, let's see how far I can take this. And apparently only two games. That's how far Seth could take it. Um, it's... It... God, I'm, you know what my favorite thing is, Dave? The Minnesota Timberwolves. For the exact opposite <laughs> reason. Like, they're just so bad. In well, the way of like it's 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 vitriol. It's a train wreck. We it's like tough to watch, but you can't turn away. Anthony Edwards, we all love him, and 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 you know we're we're, we're watching all of this, and at the same time we're looking at Rudy Gobert going like, dude, stop, stop. You can't catch. Stop trying to call for the ball. You have you know D'Angelo Russell who is just awful, you know for them, and and. You know, I said last week, and I still think it's he's a six man at best in this league, and I think that's his best role. And but they don't really have much, and and you know, cats out all that stuff. It's just a shit show. I ain't got any, anything else to say. And that's that's part of my favorite thing is that I just can't turn away from it. Well, so, uh, that could be a good time to get into our first topic if you guys are are interested. There's a there's a bunch of teams right now. I know we just mentioned parity in the league, but there's a bunch of teams that are. Stuck in the mud, as we like to say around here. And I think the Timberwolves are one of those teams. They're just not able to get themselves out of the mud. Every single time they go, they have a couple of nice games. They come back and they get smacked by the Detroit Pistons. This is now twice that they've done this. That's not like this team should be better. And I know like we were part of the media chorus that was just singing the 60 win, 55 win tune. They're going to. They're going to print wins because they're going to have this base level high defense. But I'm sorry, man. They're not getting that version of Rudy Gobert, or at least this team doesn't work the same way that we thought it would. They have 112.9 defensive rating. They're literally middle of the pack defensively with Rudy Gobert. So, yeah, this team is stuck in the mud. Don't lump me in with those bozos who said 60 wins. No, nobody believed that. Come on, Dave. Well, it, it wasn't going to be a 60-win season for anyone. But, but, I, thought, but, I thought they would be low to mid-50s. Yeah, I mean, we thought they were going to win in the 50s. Or at least I did. Um, I, I, I thought, thought they'd this be, was going to be a top-four team, for sure. I thought they'd be fourth in the West, a good regular season, and disaster in the playoffs. Absolutely. But, like, I don't think we were going into that wild range there of that. Um, yeah, man, 74 this- and 8 was not on the table for you. No, I mean, like, I, we all thought this team was going to be better than this. And we thought it was going to be a faster... <laughs> A faster process for these guys to kind of learn. But, you know, I keep hearing people saying Rudy's learning kind of a new system. He's not playing as much drop. There's a reason he played so much drop. Yeah, that, that's always, uh, that, that is a bit of a weird criticism of, oh, you can only be like, they, they maximize him in that system. It's like, you know what that's called? 
coaching. Coaching. Like, oh, my yes. guys are my guy is good at this. Let's do it this way. Um, so I I did I did wrote about write about this last week. It was last Friday on, on the Athletic, and um, the the defensive stuff with Rudy especially is interesting because they're they're I mean they're they're still playing with him on the floor at a top five ish level as a defender. Now his own individual numbers are have slipped a little bit. Um, but I but you know you 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 talk to Timberwolves people, you talk to people who have have, have worked with Rudy in the past. And, you know, uh, in, in Utah, and they're noticing that, like, one thing they note is that um, it's not just Rudy learning a new role with the Wolves. It's the Wolves learning, you know, they they were the uh, probably the most active defense in the league last year. And the way you incorporate Gobert is, oh, he's got that. Let me stay home. And they are, and, and they have struggled, it, 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 you know, did, did just overcoming those those learned that learned instinct of okay we're gonna run and jump and help everywhere instead of oh that guy's driving but the big fellow's back there so I'm gonna stay pressed up on my guy to take the take the three away and what's happened is guys you know to some degree are are overhelping and getting in each other's way um now that's that's improved a little bit recently um I want to I want to flip to an to like I feel like Rudy gets too much of the discussion on this team I mean we we when it comes down to it, the reason they haven't been as good is Cat hasn't shot the ball when he's been healthy, and Anthony Edwards has not progressed like we thought he would. Well, and D'Angelo Russell has been pretty bad. I mean, he's, he has. He's, he's, he's yeah, a bad he's, fit. He's yes. a bad fit for this team. So, and and this is a, like you know you were you're crapping on the Wolves for getting you know whacked by Detroit. I think there's a little bit of two steps forward, one step back going on. In something they've done recently is, you know, you mentioned you, you'd like Russell Moore as a six man. They're just starting him, but they're they're closing with Edwards at the one, and that's I think that is is really, and he seems to be growing into that a little bit. I think that is a positive sign, like being able to close games with Edwards and and Ander, Kyle Anderson, Tarian Prince, and. Rudy and and pick the fifth guy, whether it's Jaden McDaniels, whether it's Austin Rivers or some not D'Angelo some, Russell. Yeah, well, yes, exactly. <laughs> like that, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, I, that is the point. Yes, but you know so, the thing is, once they get Cat back, though, now what happens? Yeah, and this well, is why they're be stuck a in the mud for them, right? Like this is going to be a little bit. It's almost like I was listening to John Krasinski on the tampering pod the other day. And he was talking about when cat comes back, he's going to be more of a spacer, more of a shooter. I, I actually think, I mean, cats passing the last couple of years is really, he's been able to showcase that a little bit. Could he be like a Kevin love for them? Like, you know, those Cavs team version of Kevin love, a higher end, maybe version of Kevin love because he can put the ball on the floor and he is, a you know, such a gifted passer off the dribble. You guys feel like, is that, a role that's suitable for him, or is that just like do you feel like he can't do that? I that's fine for that being his offensive role, but the thing about those Kevin Love teams, a lot of times he was the center, and then he went and defended in the the paint. And I don't know if Cat's going to be able to defend on the perimeter in any way, shape, or form when he's got. And he can't a guard, defend in the paint because Rudy's in there. Rudy's already there, right? So like now you're that's that's fine offensively, but defensively is the other issue with it, and I think that's the the side of it where it's like, this is where it gets kind of messy. Cause that's what we thought cat was going to do from the start of the year, right? Cat's going to stay on the perimeter. Rudy's going to be in the paint. Edwards is going to have to figure out how to get in the lane with Rudy in the paint. That's basically the gist of it. It's a clogged lane for him. 
He's used to kind of five out spacing and now it's four and four out one in and he's got to find a way. And I think he's gotten better with that, but it gets more interesting when you have cat there offensively. But I think the defensive question will decide if you can do that because it doesn't matter what you're doing on offense. If you're giving up the same amount defensively. And I think that's the challenge. If can't, can't guard on the perimeter, which I don't think he's going to be able to, it's going to be a problem for him and for the wolves to be able to find a way to keep those two on the floor at the same time. And this is the the issue is he's he's out probably till pretty close to the trade deadline, and this is the the the, the two reasons that they are kind of in 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 limbo is they as you we've, they they traded a, a bunch of a bunch of their future assets for for Gobert and they they aren't going to get a you know a good look at what this team is with like now that that Rudy is seeming to to you know understand a little bit better and be integrated a little bit better now that anthony edwards is is playing a a has progressed and is being more of a playmaker and frankly probably gotten in a little bit better shape um okay those two pieces but now you've got the third piece and and you just don't know so what do we do with a nasreed like if you're going to keep cat you you might as well trade nasreed he's a good player he's really uh, good. May, yeah maybe i mean maybe that's how you turn the the d'angelo russell contract spot into a, a more a player that balances your team better is you is like Nas Reed is the is the sort of the incentive that goes with it. But if you're not sure if if the cat Rudy thing works, can you do that at the deadline? And that so that's that's you know that that puts the plus as we've been talking about several times, the West is so close. So it's like they're going in with just complete level of uncertainty about their team in so many dimensions. And also, like their ownership situation is not not in flux, and and all of this points to if if history is anything to go by in terms of how NBA front offices operate, it's going to be conservative. And this isn't they're they're probably not in a position where conservatism serves them well. Well, they were so they weren't conservative in right. the summer, right? Like right. that's that they are now forced into that. But now you've got me thinking about teams that could use Nas Reed, and it's like, well, you know, I start looking around, guys. There's bunch of other teams that are also stuck in mud maybe some of these teams stuck in mud just need to make some consolidation trades with each I, other i got a, a nas reed team for you toronto the brooklyn nets Ooh, I, I don't hate it i don't hate it will they take d'angelo russell that that's going to be the big thing mm. we're going to loop mean, in no. a third team yeah no, yeah I mean, it's, it's, that. it's it's you know them being conservative now it's like dave said it's because they were too overly aggressive in the offseason they're going to be conservative because they got no choice to be conservative they can't be aggressive. They they emptied the clip to get Rudy Gobert, and now it's 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 that instance. It's, you know, like I said earlier, they don't even have a pick to add to get off of Russell, which is what you would normally be the cost to get off of Russell in that instance. And I think you know, even I don't, I wouldn't trade Nasrid if I was them. Uh, he's too important to them. But you and can't, Rudy Gobert but, is not a spring chicken for a center. I mean, he but, he's up there. But Reed is a is a free agent at the end of the year, and if you keep Cat and Rudy. You just can't like yeah, he's going to make too much. He's going to make too much money this summer for you to bring him back as a, essentially a third center, and so they're not winning the title this year. And yes, he's been important to them, but all else being equal, that's like just letting him play the season out and leaving. Like, what does that do for him? Gets well, him to, I think I gets think him to the eight, gets him to the nine seed. Neat. I mean, I think the bigger thing is. Maybe you start looking at moving cat in the offseason. See now that, that now you're talking. Yeah, now, but, now you're talking. To me. But you haven't been able to evaluate that. Like if you go into the second half of the season knowing, all right, we're gonna play this out, do what we can. 
and trade cat re-sign Nas Reed. I don't think they're at the point where they, they, they feel like they can say that. Maybe they yeah. should, regardless, but I, I just don't think that they are. But we've seen enough of Cat at this point. Like, I don't think Cat's a no, winning I player. Period. I, I, yeah. That's, I mean, that's my thing. If they need more time to evaluate, if this, it's not about whether... If the question for them is, can Rudy make Cat a better player? I'm done. That's a mistake for them, and they got to move. They got to move on. And, I, and, and, and I'm not a big fan of just blow everything up type guy, but it's just like, at this point, we've seen enough of it. We know where this is heading. We know where it? it's heading. So move on from it, you know? And I think that's, the, that's my thing with it. And I think Nas Reed's a better fit for them than Cat. I, 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 I share a lot of your, I share a lot of your concerns about Cat as a, as a, you know, winning playoff player. That said, I would kind of want to see what it looks like when Cat isn't shooting 19% from three with Rudy on the floor. When, when one of the best big man shooters of all time just hasn't made any shots. I want to see if it looks any different. If when he's shooting, you know, 30, you know, a 38% or something like, fine, he's getting a little bit worse shots because the spacing is worth Rudy on the floor. It's a guy who's a 35, 36% career shooter on contested threes. Doesn't matter if you're giving it all back up on the other end. And you're, I think you're going to be doing that with him guarding perimeter guys. I I'm just saying I would like to, I would like to, I think you're probably right, but we've just seen the only version we've seen of it is the like worst playing cat. And if he's playing even average, what does it look like? I, and they don't have time to see that before the trade deadline. Yeah, um, I think that's a pretty good point. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with more teams that are stuck in the mud. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match this offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Broker dealer. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all... It's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So the Milwaukee Bucks, Seth, they're having an interesting time. I mean, Chris Middleton's now missed 34 games this season. And when he's been out there, hasn't necessarily looked great. Um, I would argue that's the biggest problem for the Bucks right now, is that Chris Middleton isn't healthy. But... Mo and I, we just did the ding last night. We watched this Bucks team. You know, they blew another lead to the, to the Hawks this time without Trey Young. Giannis scored seven points. He looks exhausted. I mean, he, how long can this guy put up 45 and 20 just for these, <laughs> the Bucks to eke past lesser opponents? I, I'm just, I, I think that we're, we're getting to a point where he's running out of energy and it's, Mid-season, it's not even the All-Star break yet. Um, this is an issue, man. The Bucks are stuck in mud. Hard miles. We've talked about this as long as we've been doing this show. We've talked about how damaging it can be to a team to put hard miles on your star during the regular season. And that's what, you, like, this. If, if there's one way to characterize this season for the Bucks and Giannis, it's been hard miles. So... That puts them in a, in a weird spot, a little bit like Minnesota. They are, um, you know, short on, on, on capital. Um, they probably the, the player that everyone's most interested in is Marjan Beauchamp. Their season kind of depend, depends wholly there as a championship level team. It depends wholly on what version of Chris Middleton do they have in April and not knowing that question. Now you go into the trade deadline could you use Bochamp to to get a an upgrade? I personally, for me, I don't think that like I would not trade him straight up for Jay Crowder. I just I don't I don't know it. I don't know what if Crowder does enough for Milwaukee to justify that. That said, maybe there's a, a similar player, maybe who who's more of a wing that would be available in that deal. Do you make that trade not knowing what you're going to get from Chris Middleton? I think you do because you act as if because your window is is narrow. 
And if you don't act like act as if this year, and if it doesn't work out well, you might be done after this year anyway. So what have you as a championship team? So what have you, what are you passing up on? I don't want them to get Crowder. That's my thing. I don't think Crowder fixes a single thing for them. I think one Middleton coming back healthy. And I think Joe Ingles helps a lot in the half court with what he does coming off ball screens. Another playmaker, another ball handler will alleviate a lot of that pressure. The moves that they need to make is they need to get more athletic on the wing. Because that's who you're going to, you have to figure out how to defend guys. Like this is the thing that kind of drives me nuts with, with their off season a little bit was, and I don't know if they had a way to get it with all the cap stuff and things like that, but they lost the playoff series to Boston and we all said it. And I still agree. I still think it's true. If they had Middleton, they probably win that series. But you got to look the next year, and you got to look at what hurt you in that series. They did not have a lot of athleticism on the on the on the perimeter, and 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 Holiday is great, but I'm talking about in the wings position, and and Middleton is not a super athletic guy. How are you going to defend Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown? You know, Holiday is going to guard one. Middleton might be better, you know, and and you're hoping your collective team defense can work. But that's a tough position. I want to see them get a little more athletic on the wing. That's why I don't want them to get Crowder. I don't think Crowder fits that position for them. I don't think he fixes that problem for them. You know, he's more like the PJ Tucker role for them, but I think they're going to get a lot more of that from Portis. I think he's a four now. That's basically right. what, yeah, what he's it comes a four. down to. That's the problem. And so if you're, are you closing games with him and Giannis as your four and five? I, I, I don't know that you would do that a whole lot. And, and But also your point about the athleticism is, is the point we've been making about the Bucks for a few years now. And this is why I'm against trading Bochamp. Right. Now, I know he's a rookie and he's not likely to give you a lot in the playoffs, but you have to think next year, the year after, because like you said, I mean, this is, you know, your window is narrowing on this version of this team. So you have to start thinking about what the next one is going to look like. And listen, I'm not saying don't push your chips in if there's a guy there that is a clear upgrade, but getting rid of one of the few athletes you have to go get uh, this magical athlete that's supposed to contribute. I think that's something that would give me pause. I mean, you have there are other guys. I mean, I don't know that Grayson Allen's got a great trade market, but you maybe can get something for him and upgrade there a little bit. But Bochamp, I, that's it's a tough one for me, uh, especially in a Jay Crowder trade because I don't think Crowder fixes the problems that they've got. I agree with you halfway in that I don't think Crowder. I I think that any thinking about well, what's the next championship core of this team? I mean, you're, you're okay. Well, that's you're, you're you're talking 2025 now. Like when when the when it's not not so much Giannis, but when Lopez, Middleton, Holiday is no longer the base of a championship core, they're well, down as a championship. Next year. Yeah, Bochamp I mean, might be a contributor next yeah. year. I mean, the, the, I mean that's the other part of it though. Is if it like you know, there's no there's no guarantee that if Middleton is compromised this year, he's not he's no spring chicken either. There's no guarantee that he's an all star level player next year either. He's so, a free agent after this year. That's the other thing that's a big, the the other thing that doesn't get talked about a lot with the Bucks is like his impending free agency and what, how that all plays out with everything that they're looking to do. It's not even, look, looking to the future. That's, you know, the front office's job. Bud's got to put a team together, and 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 the front office has got to do both. They got to live a little bit in the now and in the future and figure out how this plays out. That's why you shouldn't trade Bochamp. Dave, I don't think Grayson Allen has a a, a market that moves either. that like gets either. you anything that's that's of gets you something that maybe gets you a, like a second round pick, maybe a super super late first round pick if that like and 
that'd be a team that'd be super desperate for a guard. But I don't think there is a they're one of those teams that's just tough. They made the right trade for Holiday. Now they're paying for it a little bit. It's it's the the taxes due here a little bit, and now you're hamstrung with with some of the moves you got to make. And and I think they're in a tough spot with everything they got to do. I think Ingles is is sort of the key for them because he's going to be the stopgap between now and whenever Middleton is 100%. He's the guy that's going to help him get through the rest of the regular season. And then the extra reps, you hope, has him ready to to fill a bench role that they need come playoff time. Because they're going to need, I think they're going to need like 12 minutes a game, 14 minutes a game out of, out of Ingles. Um, his pick and roll stuff is going to be crucial for them because they don't really have, I mean, Drew Holiday sort of runs some pick and roll, but they don't really have a guy that you can just space out around in a pick and roll. And I think Ingles, as he gets healthy, that, that'll help them quite a bit. And I, I to, to close on this, I, I, I want to be clear. I don't think they should just run out and trade Beauchamp for anything. I just, that if oh. they are going to, if they are going to find a player who is in, who is a reliable top six, seven rotation guy in, in the playoffs, the only way they're doing that is, is if he's in the deal, I think. So that's, so that's like, you have to be like, I, if you if you ask me whether I think something's going to happen, no, I don't think that trade's out there for him. But if it is, he's the guy who's going to have to go, and I think you have to be open to that for the for the the right guy. Who the right he, guy is? I mean, we, we're not we're not doing a trade machine pod, so we don't. Yeah, no yeah. He's that. the only asset. That's the yeah. thing. He's the only asset yeah. they have. So if they make a move that is significant or in any way a needle mover, he's gone. He's gone. Like that's yeah. the reality. I mean, I just don't want to see it because you know I like to see other athletes out there with Giannis. Uh, Guys, a couple more teams stuck in the mud. Let's try to get through these maybe a little bit faster. But um, we we're just stuck in the mud. Uh, we are stuck in the mud. No, I we're mean, we're putting out fire. Let's that's go. True. Yeah. Actually, we're in the we're, weeds and stuck in the mud. Yeah, we're in the mud bog. We're in the big yeah. truck. We're pulling these teams out of the mud. Um, let's let's go to the team that that almost pulled off the comeback win over the Bucks the other night. The Hawks. They're stuck in the mud, but uh, they've got a huge piece that they ought to move, Mo. I think we're we're officially here. We like the Hawks better without Trey Young. DeJounte Murray, Bogdan Bogdanovich, that's a hell of a backcourt. I think John Collins is playing good basketball when when he's out there with uh, you know, some team players. Um Aquangu has been pretty good filling in for Capella. I mean, you know, he's not as good as Capella, but I think he's been pretty good. Um, but the Hawks, they're stuck in mud. There are a lot of people saying they should fire Nate, which, you know, I'm not I'm not a fan of saying you should fire the coach just because there's I mean, problems. Nate might with the be team. saying that, but Nate <laughs> doesn't seem to want to be there. Well, um, it's a mess. Well, first off, I think they should fire Nate, and I say that looking at the offense that they run when they do have Trey Young out there. And yes, Trey Young is part of the problem, but guess what? That's the coach's job to get buy-in, and that's that's part of it. I think they run very little offensively that works with getting Dejounte Murray, Trey Young, and John Collins working and playing off of each other. A lot of it's too much ISO and, and things like that. We know that's how Trey likes to work, but that's your job, Nate. You got to make it work on the court, and I think that's the important thing there. And if he's not willing to, if Young is not willing to make that change, then you talk about trading him, and you'd probably get a ton for him. I think you'd get there'd be a lot of teams that would jump at the opportunity to get Trey Young. Teams that are in the bottom that are looking to make a a move up. I just think this team, when he's not on the floor, it's we saw it against Sacramento. The ball moves. There's more fun behind it. You know, Bogdanovich, I think, is a very underrated player in terms of what he can do on the ball. I've been a fan of his since Sacramento. I think he can really hoop. 
you know, Murray kind of gets looks better and, and, and looks more flowing. John Collins looked rejuvenated with Young not out there. And I think there's some of that in that. That's a team that offensively, they got to figure out a system that incorporates everybody. And I think that's the biggest problem right there is they don't, and I don't think Nate's the guy that's going to figure that out. So they're stuck in mud and it's either, you know, I think if they fire Nate, fine, you got to bring in an offensive-minded coach that's really going to get the most out of these guys and maximize their players. And 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 if Young's not Can I with have it, Mike D'Antoni for just the rest of the season and only that? I don't see I like I understand where you're going with that. I think that's almost exactly the wrong way. My question with Atlanta is is there a way they can reset things so that like instead of Trey being the team, Trey is a big part of the team. I think that it's But that's about know, Trey. This is the well, thing. Yeah, though. Like, exactly. But and I and I don't I yeah, is there a coach that can do that? I don't know. And that's this is, you know, this is a little bit of payment for past transgressions, not necessarily a move, but but a sort of a an outlook of 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 turning the team over to a guy a before he's ready b before you're sure he's good enough uh top 20 player isn't good enough to just outsource your whole team to you got to be in that that top five to seven range like Kawhi healthy is a guy you do that for Giannis is a guy you do that for Jokic is a guy you do that for Luka is like on the borderline of what you do that for and I don't think anyone aside from the most rabid Atlanta partisan would say that Trey is in the same class as Luca. Nobody's saying that. They, they, and if they're saying it, they're lying. There's just not, they're, they're nowhere close. But the, the truth is, I just don't know that Trey is going to, in Atlanta, I don't think Trey is going to play that way. Let's put it that way. Now, if he got moved and had to go somewhere else, maybe eat a little humble pie and go be a part of a team that didn't draft him and, and basically hand him the keys the day he walked up to the facility. Then maybe he's a good player, at least on the offensive side of the ball. He's a good player. He doesn't play team basketball at all, and that's gonna that's gonna limit this team because look, man, they want the Donovan Mitchell package for John Collins. Good to want things. I want a million dollars. Ain't none of that coming. To be honest with you, because I think John Collins has been hampered by playing with Trey Young. I think the one that's an unrealistic front office in yes, general 100%. and i got to i got to be curious what those i and that some of it might be just posing and 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 you know the negotiating in the in the uh press to try to well, get also who's in charge there he's been on the trade block since he signed his new newest contract i mean this since is before yeah it's like miles turner i mean this is well he's the new miles turner yeah yeah and he's a good player i i, I would if i was atlanta I would want to keep John Collins. I think that he's a good player. He makes sense in the league. He works well with DeJounte Murray. I, he's a better defender than he gets credit for. But he's over. But the problem is building the team with him in the system that they're like, this is this kind of gets back to sort of the, the original sin. Yeah. In the way they're going to play, they, they don't use the skills that make him, you know, reasonably paid, they don't use. When they when when they're built around a, a Trey Young Dejounte Murray core, they just like he he does not get to play on with the ball on the move. He's doing too much spotting up. He's not getting the short roll. He's you know he's basically like pick pop stand in the corner, and just, he and and not only can he do more than that, but if you're paying him twenty plus million dollars, he needs to do more than that unless he suddenly becomes like a forty five percent three point shooter, which probably not. 
He's this, shooting in the twenties this year still. This is a team that got fooled by their success when they made it to the conference finals. Ben Simmons ruined two teams with this, <laughs> with that pass. It wasn't just the Sixers, it was the Hawks. Because now they have this whole concept of we're this team that like we should be competing for conference championships, you know, and 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 going into the next season. And Trey Young and the regular season's boring after you've done what we've done and all that nonsense and things like that. And I know people are always like, yo, don't make fun of going to the uh, uh, conference finals. That's hard. It is hard to do. But also you have to be realistic of who you are. You have to evaluate yourself at the end of the season and going like, hey, man, we probably shouldn't have made it. It's great that we did. We got to start making changes and fixing things. And now you're making moves that don't make sense. You're making cost-cutting moves. Kevin Herter would look great right now in a Hawks jersey with how he's shooting. But the thing is, he wouldn't get to do what he's doing in Sacramento because he'd be playing in Atlanta. And the way and, and, and the ball dominated with it. He gets the ball in his hands more in Sacramento and gets to really kind of show his skills. I think it's fooled by that success. I think it's Nate's inability to be innovative on offense. I think it's Trey Young being incredibly stubborn and not wanting to change and take the ball out of his hands. You have the talent. If they could find a way to put this together, just run a pistol action for God's sakes or an elbow action and, 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 you know, incorporate those guys. I think they'd have a lot of fun. And I think Trey would start to have some fun with that as well. And I think that would be where they could have the success. But if you're not going to get that and you're not going to get that buy-in, things got to change. So I don't know what they do with the trade deadline. I don't know what they do. Isn't that, you know, how they fix it, but I'm almost at the point where it's like, we're heading towards a divorce. I want to I want to point to sort of one more aspect of sort of um, misunderstanding of where you are. If you think you're if you think that you're a conference finals team, not just a, a team that made that happened to make the conference finals, what are you doing trying to duck the luxury tax? Bingo. That's like and that's and that's you know that's to some that's that that's a combination of on management non ownership. Like, uh, like ownership demanding conference finals and not being willing to pay the tax. Like, okay, you're no, you're going to miss that. But if you're, if you're management and you know, you can't, if you know, that's a constraint, then why are you operating as if it's not a constraint? Maybe you can talk them out of it later. Well, they did change GMs uh, yeah. recently. So maybe that's part of it. Uh, guys move on to the next team stuck in the mud, the Miami heat. Look, 40 for 40 the other night in free throws. I'm not going to I'm not going to say they're not grifting their way to some wins here. They they are they're still somehow like eking out a few games, but the Miami Heat are uninspiring. And some of this is health. They've they've got some serious like they've had guys in and out of the lineup. Kyle Lowry is, you know, you never know when he's going to play. Jimmy Butler. They have a bunch of old injury prone guys. Everybody's old and hurt except for Bam who rules. We gotta we gotta save Bam because Bam is having a great season and the Miami Heat are just not they they are stuck in the mud. This is a team that I think they get a pass, man, because they've got a really great coach and they overperform the roster. They outperform the roster almost every year, but they're stuck. They're not stuck in the mud. They play in the mud. Dave. <laughs> they, they live, live in, the in the mud. They're not stuck in the mud. That's exactly where they want to be. That's exactly how they've played all those years. They're a team that. Just, just drags you into the mud. Get dirty with us. You want to beat us? You're going to have to fight. And I think that's part of the deal. And I, it, it sucks with the injuries, Lowry and Butler. Everybody's constantly in and out of the lineup. 
that was the same thing last year. And this team went to the conference finals. I think you're, you're in, in, in that sense. And it goes kind of a little bit to the Hawks conversation of like, well, were we, should we have really gone or whatnot? But they're a very interesting team. And I think when you're watching them, Bam's made a real big step. And I think Tyler heroes made a huge step after, you know, kind of floundering a little bit. And I think those are, those are the key pieces right there. And then if they can get Jimmy healthy and stuff like, I'm not that worried about them as I think other people, maybe as I should be. I worry about maybe their, I, I worry about their inability to shoot the basketball. I, I mean, you know, like we talked about Toronto and we'll get to Toronto cause I think they're stuck in the mud, but we talked about Toronto not being able to shoot coming into the season. And I mentioned Miami, like they just don't have, you have to be able to shoot to win today. And I just don't, I don't buy their conference finals run from last year. Uh, and, and I think that this team, again, they have guys like Jimmy Butler that is, he's just able to be a rising tide. He is so good and so great that he covers up for a lot of the, the big, just foundational problems that the team has. I mean, bam too, defensively, what he's been doing just covers up for, for some of the huge problems, but the margin for error is so small. They, they I, I think they need change. I don't think you can. In an era where the the league offensive rating is like 113, I don't think you can play like the 2007 Pistons and 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 expect to to really compete at the highest level in the NBA today. I I just think I think that there's perhaps too much of a and and I don't this is maybe shoehorning it in because it was a stat I looked up so I, I, whatever but I but it does feel like that the reliance on sort of the heat culture of of being in the mud to fix so much stuff. Uh, Udonis Haslam, since 2016-17, has played 442 minutes total. 297 players have played more than that already this year. That's seven seasons, and, and I, I feel like, but him kind of still being, and, and it's not a shot at him. He get, get, get those checks, keep, keep in shape, but that they're reliant on sort of that as a backbone of, of their team, as opposed to, you know, skill. Like, they, Can I they're, just say like, this? It, this? This shit makes no sense to me. Why, why don't you just make him an assistant coach? He really does not play. You can't do what he does as an assistant coach. You simply can't. You it's can't not, get in people's it, faces. That's, that's, not, that's a good no, point, Mo. No, not more than that. It's more than just getting in the face and be the enforcer yeah. there. When you're assistant coach, you're in team meetings. You're on the court for practice. You're on the stuff. This and that. It's... It's like the movie Field of Dreams. As soon as Doc Graham crossed the line and you saw the change from when he went from his uniform back to his doctor uniform, uh, it, it's over. And as soon as a guy does that, it's it, a, a player changes and goes from player to coach. It is it is not the same, you know, and, and, and you you no longer have that respect and things like that. He's not the one that has to run and stay in shape. He doesn't have to be in the the meet the body percent crap that they have or whatever and things like that. There's a difference, and it's and and and, and it's in that magical change when you walk off the court and onto the bench. It's 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 over. He simply can't do it. I know a lot of people have said he should just be an assistant coach at that point, but then you lose that guy. And, and this is not again. This is not That's about him. It's not about him. And it's not about using your your fifteenth roster spot on this type of presence. It's more just the fact that that spot has been the same guy 
And it's in, in that, like, again, the, the sort of the genuflecting to heat culture. And there are very laudable things about them as an organization, but that can only, you're asking for that to cover up just too much when you are, you are short on talent. They are short, like everything we're talking about, they are just under talented for years. And this is how they continue to find guys, which, you know, lucky for them they do actually find guys but they find they, guys they fall in love with them in, and give them two big contracts right but they put themselves in a position where they rely on finding a guy every freaking year every year they need a max Struess to pop up you know this year i thought it was going to be jamal kane maybe orlando robinson i mean they, they need a guy to pop up every year and we just expect it now because it happens i think just they were a team that was you know, handcuffed by the summer with the notion of we might be able to get Kevin Durant. So they didn't make any moves after that. And I think that was one of those things with with kind of what put them in this situation. Like, I don't know what everybody's expectations were for the Heat going into this year. It wasn't like I didn't look at them being as a team that would be a championship. I thought they'd be better. I thought they'd be a top six team. But, you know, I didn't think the Knicks would be a top six team, right? Like, they're and they still might, by the way. We're talking about a team that's two games over 500, a, a, a game out of the, the, the top playoff spot. And let me just ask you, who do you trust more down the stretch, the Knicks, the Pacers, or the Heat? Well, like, I, I, I mean, you know, it, it, when, when we're looking at things like if, if, if we're, we're, we're betting on one of those three teams, I'm just going to bet on the Heat because they do this. And this is how they play, and they play dirty in the mud more than I meant, to, you know, dirty, dirty. But like, you they know, play dirty they, too. They, but they muck things up. They play differently than everybody else. They'll throw out zones. Spoh's really great as a coach, and I think there's a lot of that stuff that's there. So like, it wouldn't shock me, guys, if like we're coming into the playoffs and they're not in the playing tournament. They made the playoffs outright. It's not something that's out of the realm of possibility, and that's just because. This is the team they have. This is a team they were, they're used to coaching in this way, and I think there's a little bit of that. Should they stay this way? Should they be happy with this? No, but they don't have any means in which to, to, to really improve the team. You know, like what – you know, I saw something where trade Lowry for D'Angelo Russell. Like, really? Oh, That's going to be something that do for that? you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess at least D'Angelo Russell uh, stays on the court a little bit more right now. Um, all right. Until Donis Haslam rips his head off, he ain't gonna stay on the court. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, all right, last team, guys. And, and again, you know, we just like to hammer the Raptors on this show for some reason. But this team is stuck in mud, and but they're stuck in mud from a roster standpoint. I, I think the offense is it is mud. The offense that they run just it, it's sludge. They're doing nothing. Um, they have Pascal Siakam. I mean, that's a top that's top 20 player. I think we can all agree on that. Maybe top 15. I don't understand why they can't just be a little bit better. They have good, you know, OG Ananobi is a very good defender. They've got Fred Van Vliet, who's a good shooter. They have some pieces. They don't have enough shooting. This is kind of like Miami. And they don't have a center. But they have not done anything to change over the last couple seasons. And there's been no improvement. This, this Project 6-9, I think, is a failure. It, it has been a failure to this point. They don't have the straw that stirs the drink. You I mean, I think you're being pretty generous to Pascal Siakam, putting him up that high. Top 20? Um, I, 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 think he's a, I think he's a good player. I think he's a he's a step below. Like he's, he's, is, he's not a, you know, 
is he a Jalen Brown level player? Nah, he's closer to to Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday at best. And those are those are players who are like in the 25, 30 type range. And that's a he's meaningful an expert, difference. Dave. He does tears. He's an yeah. expert. I mean, I you know, but I do sp- I do spend a lot of time thinking about about like this, like you know, you're putting if you're saying that he's you're putting him in like the Bam out of bio level of player, and I don't think he's quite that. I think he is he has struggled uh, manfully uh, at being kind of a number one option. He's never been pre- he's better at it than he was two a couple of years ago, but he's still not particularly good at it. And they they have a bunch of guys who are excellent, very high level complementary guys. Without that central, it's not terribly different than than uh, than than Miami. They just don't have a guy who's as good as Jimmy Butler at the I, center of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of things here with them, and I'm with you, Dave, on the six nine vision project, whatever the hell it is. Vision six ten <laughs> is in Orlando, and that's working. We can see that one clearly. Is it because they're also not very well, good? They're bad, they're fun they're to watch. Young. Yeah, they're fun to watch. They're but they're, I don't know. Let's 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 use let's be careful with the term working. Um, but I think the the more important thing is this is a team that had a blueprint and won a championship. And this was four years ago, five years. My years are different now after after what we've all been through. Um, but I think the ultimate thing is they they did it and they had like a center and now they're going away from this whole thing of like, we're going to change the game and have all six, nine, six, ten, super long lanky guys and stuff like that. You lose stuff in the process. I think part of it is, you know, Scotty Barnes, who is, is having a, a, a typical sophomore season for an NBA young man. And I think people need to understand that. Cause I keep seeing all this stuff of like, Scotty Barnes is bad. He's, he's regressed and stuff that happens. Go look at the stuff people were saying to Jason Tatum in his second year in the NBA and things like that. Like I, I, I feel like he's he's regressed some, but part of it is they've put him in a different role. They're trying to get him to play differently, and it's a whole different challenge with that. And and I just think this team itself is at a crossroads and needs to decide who they want to be and what they want to do. And I think it's it's you're going to be stuck in mud when you're in that situation because I think there's a lot of indifferent stuff, and I think Nick Nurse hasn't done well as a coach either. Well, I want to talk about Scotty Barnes here because you mentioned his role changing. Man, what is his role? When you think about a young player, I think this is one of the more important things that you can do as a coach and as an organization is to make sure that these guys come in and they understand, hey, this is the role we want you to take on. and This is stuff we want you to work on and develop. You know, is Scotty Barnes their center or is he their point guard? I don't that, know. That hmm. And no, it there is a there's a huge difference in mindset, to be honest with you. And like, is he going to finish plays or is he going to initiate plays? And I don't know that he's good at either one of them right now. I think some of the promise of him is that, that someone who can do both, but you get into the situation of, of, you know, the guy who can do all those things decently well is very valuable. The guy who can, can only do all those things on a mediocre level isn't actually very good. And this year he's probably been more under that line than over that. But that's the promise of him is being that sort of, you know, good level can do this, that and the other and, and the other thing, which unlocks a lot of flexibility. Unfortunately, like their whole team is flexibility and there's no like there's there's no, you know, rebar around which you you've everyone that. is a Swiss army knife. And sometimes yeah. you need a katana, right? Like yeah. you just need something that'll chop someone's head yeah. off. 
sometimes you need a hammer, sometimes you need it, and they, 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 they kind of are lacking at, at, you know, both ends of that definition. I don't, I mean, they're, that puts them in the middle. I'm not sure it necessarily puts them from an organizational standpoint in the mud because they do have a lot of optionality. They're not a team that is out future stuff. They have guys who, you know, OJ Anunoby, Anunoby, I think, has a lot of trade value. I think if they decided to move on from Siakam, he would have a lot of trade value. I think if they decided six months ago they wanted Kevin Durant, Scotty Barnes would have had... Tra- oh, sorry. That's the- <laughs> um, but, you, but you see what I'm saying. Like they, so they are... They have paths forward. It's just they aren't they aren't formed yet. So that's a different. I think they're in a different spot than the other teams we've talked about. The one thing I'll say. The one thing I will say about the fuck man, this is early. The one thing I will say about this team that is stuck in the mud is their offense, and I've said it again, and I'll uh, and I'll say it over and over again. Nick Nurse has done a terrible job on the offensive end of this court with with this team. They don't have any system offensively. They don't have any of that. And I know it, it, it goes back to Seth, the straw that stirs the drink analogy and things like that. But they don't have anything. It's all one-on-one stuff. And I think that's the part of the challenge there for guys like Scotty Barnes, trying to figure out how to, how to generate offense from that. And I think that's a lot of the one of the problems. That's definitely stuck in the mud. The organization has larger pictures to, to answer. I mean, this is a team that can – depending on what they do at the trade deadline, can honestly swing an tra- uh, NBA championship, you know, with, with some of the guys they have. And and they're a team that can get a haul from somebody for OG Ananobi, for Pascal Siakam. It'll be really interesting what they do at the deadline more than anybody else. I think Fred Van Vliet could be, a, like, if, if that's a way that it's got to go. I think hey. Fred Van Vliet is a guy who could absolutely, like, win playoff games and series for a team. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, uh, I was when we were talking about Minnesota. I, I know Fred Van Vliet can win playoff series. Yeah, when we were talking about Minnesota, I was thinking, man, if they could get like Van Vliet in place of D'Angelo Russell, how much of an improvement is? That? I mean, it's a huge improvement for them. Um, but Van Vliet definitely has some value on the right team. And OG Ananobi, I mean, who wouldn't want to add his defense to their team? I, I just, if I'm Toronto, I don't want to lose. OG Ananobi. That that's my thing. Is like he's like a core piece to me. So it's funny to see his name uh kind of oh. in the trade market. It's hard because he gets very expensive when he becomes a free agent. Yeah. And that's coming in a year and a half, right? Like yeah. I think that that becomes the the calculus you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And and does that, he want to stay there? And that's and that and that's part of the impetus of why like Van Vliet or Gary Trent or whoever might be available, is it's just like, okay, I think they recognize that this team is, is mid and you know, so why are we, why are we going to give big contract extensions to be mid and aging? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. You guys got anything else before we go? No, Seth, no articles this week that you want to go read Seth's article with Fred Katz, where he talked about all the blown leads. We were going to talk about it on the show. But we didn't get to it. And make sure you go check out One Mo Thing. It's over on Twitter. It's on Instagram. It's Mo Dakeel underscore NBA. That's where you can find him. And, uh, of course, at Seth Partnow over on Twitter. I guess that's it, guys. I'm Dave DeFore for Seth Partnow and Mo Dakeel. This has been Nerder. She wrote on the Athletic NBA Show.
Hey, baseball fans, this is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.